Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 291. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman so that we can discuss some of the latest news related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including a round of Disney Plus series delays. But before we begin, I want to let you know once again about Fan Show Plus, where you can hear us discuss additional MCU topics, MCU news and stories. Uh, and that that is a podcast that is exclusive to premium subscribers at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber and on Apple Podcasts. If you search for the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus, you can find it there and subscribe to those episodes. Also, please make sure you are following us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Threads. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to share their review. And now, on with our show. Ordinarily, this is the time when I might say, how you doing, Paul Herman? And, and Paul is doing well. He's here. Hello, Paul. Um, Hi. But we, uh, we're starting this show with uh, some very sad news. There was a member of the Marvel family who passed away earlier this week, Jamie Christopher, who was a, a first assistant director as well as a producer on a number of Marvel projects. In fact, he was a first assistant director and associate producer on Thor The Dark World, had the same roles on Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers Age of Ultron, as well as Black Widow, uh, was also a first assistant director and executive producer on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, first assistant director on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, uh, was also serving in a producer role on Marvel Studios' upcoming Fantastic Four feature film. And Jamie Christopher, as I said, passed away Earlier this week, reportedly due to heart complications, he was only 52 years old. So this is uh, and just an obviously tragic, just terrible, terrible loss. And there have been a lot of statements from a lot of folks who had the good fortune of being able to work with Jamie Christopher, including Marvel Studios' Kevin Feige and Luis D'Esposito, as well as obviously James Gunn, who worked with uh, Jamie Christopher, Ryan Johnson, Worked with Jamie Christopher as well. Just an, an outpouring of love as, as well as, as grief from those who who knew and loved and, and worked with Jamie Christopher. And for those of you who, who may not know the roles, I know most of you kind of understand the, the many different hats that can be worn by a producer. But first assistant director, that's the person who is making the set go. That is the person who... Um, and Jamie Christopher, by the way... If you haven't seen any posts about him, you'll probably recognize him if you see some of the posts that have been shared, or I know Marvel.com uh, posted uh, an article about Jamie, and that's a face that you may end up recognizing, and I know I certainly did uh, when the news broke, because this is someone you probably have seen in behind-the-scenes stills, uh, as well as in behind-the-scenes featurette it's on, on videos, because as I said, the first assistant director that's the one speaking for the director. That's the one making things go, making things on the set actually happen, but also in the prep stages as well, making sure that all these different departments are coming together in harmony or sometimes often not in harmony, but making it work anyway to bring the actual production together and make things happen on the day and allowing for things to happen on the day. So obviously it is a, a critical role that Jamie Christopher did so well that got invited back on numerous Marvel projects and other things, of course, 
outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and there have certainly been a lot of people uh, sharing their stories and, and their memories of Jamie Christopher this week. And so um, at MCU Fan Show, we just want to extend our deepest condolences to Jamie Christopher's family, his friends, anyone who knew and loved and, and worked with him, because this really is such a, a tragic loss um, for Marvel to lose this member of the family. And also, as I said, for people and part of his, his literal family to lose somebody so young, um, it's just a, a terrible, terrible tragedy. So we extend our, our deepest condolences. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm only just 10 years younger than this guy. And uh, it's, um, it's, it's, it's just, it's too young. You know, it's too young and it's, it's awful. And condolences to the, you know, to the family and the people who, you know, work with him and loved them. Um, losing people is never easy as, as a lot of us unfortunately know. So, um, yeah, condolences to everybody and just, uh, yeah. So rest in peace, my friend. Yes. And so, um, with, uh, with apologies for the, the transition into stuff that, um, really doesn't matter in, in the grand scheme of things, but we sure. will yeah. we will talk about the news that we have this week in the Marvel Cinematic Universe about Marvel Studios projects. We're also going to spend some time talking about the physical media release, the upcoming physical media release that maybe you were able to figure out how to get a pre-order, maybe not. It's not like they made it easy on you uh, for the steelbooks for WandaVision and Loki, but we'll get to that later in the show. What we're going to start with is some news that came via The Hollywood Reporter on Friday that a number of Marvel Studios Disney Plus series have been delayed. And if there's uh, if there's concern that maybe that would include Loki, so far, no. So as of right now, Loki Season 2 is still scheduled to be the next Marvel Studios Disney Plus series that we see with the new season premiering on October 6th. That is still scheduled to happen as of this recording. But then as far as other impacted Disney Plus series in The Hollywood Reporter, in their article, they mentioned some of this, of course, being, and not that it may be the sole factor, but certainly a factor and a significant factor would be the current strikes. There is the WGA strike, the Screen Actors Guild strike. Um, so there is still no resolution between those unions as well as the studios. And so at least in part due to that, we've seen a shift in the Marvel Studios Disney Plus schedule. So what if season two they included in that? I'm not really sure why, but we'll we'll talk about well, I'll include it here because it at least mentions a potential release window for what if. Because I think when Marvel first announced it, maybe the the idea was it would be out in early 2023. We already know that didn't happen. So we hadn't really been given an updated time frame for the animated what if season two. The Hollywood Reporter says that's still expected to happen this year sometime around Christmas. Uh, one that we did have a release date for, Echo, is no longer set to premiere on November 29th. It has instead been moved to January of 2024. The X-Men 97 animated series, the last update we got on that was at Comic-Con earlier this summer, and it was still at that time scheduled for a fall 2023 premiere well, it's no longer on the slate for this year. It is now reported by THR that X-Men 97 will premiere in early 2024 on Disney+. And then there's Agatha Darkhold Diaries, formerly known as Agatha Coven of Chaos, formerly known as Agatha House of Harkness, was originally announced as a winter 2023 project, but now it is slated to premiere fall of 2024. 
to allow it to align better with a Halloween holiday, but it's obviously not ready in time for this Halloween, so it's being set up for next Halloween. And then we still have other Marvel Studios Disney Plus series that are TBD because they are in various stages of productions that they could not complete due to the ongoing strikes. That includes Ironheart, Daredevil Born Again, and Wonder Man. So we really don't have a timetable on when we can expect to see those series. And even the ones that we now do have this updated timetable on, as always, as we have become uh, very accustomed to over the past few years in particular, there are, we can't, none of these things are, are etched in stone as far as these premiere dates, potential premiere dates, same thing as we've experienced with movies over and over and over again now. So as far as these delays go, None of this is uh, none of this is particularly shocking, Paul. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff was expected, and and I don't know specifically where things stand with these series in terms of production because I know one mm -hmm. of the things that's been pointed out is how even projects that finish shooting, there are other things that actors do, and it's not just the promotion and marketing, and that stuff is important as far as getting the word out there about a given series. But there's other things, too. And again, none of this has been specifically mentioned or reported for these. But when we talk about the types of issues that can come up, even ADR, right, when the automated dialogue replacement, when an actor has to come in and maybe redo some lines, that can't happen. Um, if that needs to happen in order to finish a show, well, they can't do that uh, while the actor strike is ongoing. And again, I'm not saying that is the case for any of these specific Marvel Studios productions. It's just an example of how even shows that seem like they're finished may not be fully complete and can't be completed until these strikes are over. And then there's also the issue, of, as I said, of promoting them. Are they going to be delayed so that the actors actually have a chance to promote these series when they come out? Or is it the, and, but it can also be an issue of wanting to spread out the content that you have if you're a studio, because you also know that for all these months that there's been no new production, that there's going to be a hole in your schedule. And so how do you feel that? By spreading out what you do have to kind of stretch it as far as you can for your streaming platform. So these are the types of things that could weigh into, and again, we're not at the Walt Disney Company. We don't necessarily know what went into these. So any number of these potential factors or others that I haven't mentioned could be impacting these series. All we know is Loki season two is still, as of this recording, on track for October 6th, but everything else looks like we're going to be waiting uh, a little while longer, Paul, which in some ways, I mean, as the the impatient fan just wants everything right now, but also at the same mm -hmm. time, we're so accustomed to this um, that at this point, I don't even know if it's a good or bad thing, but I'm almost not phased by these delays anymore because for the past three and a half years, that's been it's been such a regular occurrence that we're hearing about this kind of stuff. It's just the the reasons change, but the results the same. Yeah, I this is a very this is a very very weird time because you know, the digital, you know, we're we're, we're going to talk about the you know. The, the whole streaming to physical to all that stuff, you know, here in a little bit, but I bring that up because it's only fitting that this is all kind of tied together. And I kind of mentioned that in our text uh, earlier is that we picked a perfect time to record because with this announcement, with the whole release of the physical media announcement and how they're tailoring things with the strike and everything, when you look back with COVID and, you know, people thought like this was the true dawning of streaming because we couldn't go anywhere right we were limited 
And with that, people, you know, flock to, you know, Disney Plus. And it feels like, and, I'm, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe even during that time, they said we should double down and keep increasing our content because we're like, you know, it's, we're, I'm not sure if it was coincidental, but at any rate, when this, you know, during those, that two year span, it felt like we've got to keep putting in content into this thing and it's just going to grow, 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 grow. And then the floor started getting hit everywhere, not just Disney plus, but everywhere. Right. Netflix was the first one that got hit with the big floor. Yeah. And, and just to kind and, of recap the sequence of that, sure, that you're ahead, referring yeah. to Paul is that. So for in the late stages of the 2010s and even into the beginning of the 2020s, which obviously we all know how that started and how that accelerated things when it came to streaming, the entire talk track around streaming was subscriber growth, subscriber growth. Are you adding subscribers? Great. All good. And, and that was kind of how studios would satisfy investors and expectations and the stock price and, and whatever else like that's that was the main measure of success for streaming was whether or not you were adding subscribers at the, you know, whatever the desired pace was at the expected pace or, or better than that. And that was the main measure of success. And then about a year and a half ago, when Netflix did not add new subscribers, actually lost subscribers in a quarter, then suddenly the question of profitability, which was always looming. And but I think a lot of studios thought that maybe it wasn't going to come up for a few more years. But a year and a half ago, the question of the issue of profitability, are we actually bringing in more money, are studios actually bringing in more money through streaming than they are spending to get all of these subscribers? And the answer to that was no. Now, in fairness to some studios, including Disney, who launched Disney Plus, they didn't even talk about profitability for Disney Plus. They weren't expecting it until 2024. But nevertheless, profitability became more of a and in more of an immediate demand for any studio that had a streaming platform. And so that's been the push now is mm -hmm. profitability. And that's also an important factor, Paul, in this, in that yeah. even without the strikes, what has Bob I Disney CEO Bob Iger, Marvel Studios President Kevin Feige, what have they already been telling us, what had they been telling us even before yep. the strikes began, is that they were going to slow down. And that meant releasing fewer projects and they would be and they would also be spread farther apart. And I think that's also kind of what we're seeing here is they have a lot of stuff that they've already made or is almost done. And so they have a lot of stuff that they're sitting on. And rather than just continuing to because they need to slow down anyway. So there's not really much point in releasing all of this stuff within the span of a few months or six months or whatever as part of that process of slowing down and spreading, the, they can spread out the release of the things that they have already made. So I think it's, yes, there is, uh, I do think the strikes play a factor in this, but I also think sure. this is right there with, and even the Hollywood Reporter mentioned this in their article, this is right along the lines of what we've also known, which is if they can't spend as much, then they gotta get as much as they can, as much as they can out of the money they've already uh, they've already spent. And you can't do that by releasing a bunch of Marvel shows all at once. Yeah, and I think that's where I was, I'm kind of trying to get at. And one of the things the article also said, they want to eventize, if you will. And that's yeah. what kind of e even Kathleen Kennedy has talked about making Star Wars more eventized. And it's yeah, if you have a it, big event every week, they're not big events. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and even that, like in look at uh, with Ahsoka, which I've been loving, by the way. And then now we're going to go right from Ahsoka to Loki. It's like I would like because as, as as a big Star Wars fan, a big Marvel fan. 
I would like to have a little bit of a gap just for me personally, so I can absorb like the show some more. And like instead of going right into Loki, and I think honestly, when I go back and for me personally, um, I big reason why I haven't gone back and rewatched a lot of these Marvel shows is that because we've gotten so many, I in all the films we've yeah. gotten, there's I no time. time. It's to on least, to the next one. Yeah, it's on to the next one, and I think now, and and I also think it'll be fascinating what they do with these existing shows like echo um and no the fact that they are pushing them out and they want to eventize them because i think there also should be some you know not say they all have to be like giant you know mcu changing things but um, it would be speaking interesting of if, echo should also in case anybody hadn't seen the article and was wondering if this changes the release um echo even though now it's moved from november of this year to early 2024 the plan for that one is still to release all the episodes at once and not do the the weekly episode drops that Which we've is seen from other series. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see them doing that for Echo. There's no indication that that's a, a permanent change or shift in the strategy. I would be shocked um, if that were the strategy because I, I just don't think that's the way to maximize a series. I agree. But I, I do think that it should be... I, I know I've seen some people say it's an indication that the show is not very good. And my response to that would be, I, I'm not going to treat it as an indication of anything because we we yeah. really don't need to decide ahead of time whether or not a thing is good or bad. We haven't even seen a trailer from Echo. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not really into the idea of let's, let's feed some narrative that we have nothing to go on other than this one piece of information that's different compared to other series. But one thing that we have seen that isn't even, like I said, it's not really an indication of quality. Sometimes the style of the story could indicate that, where mm -hmm. one episode, maybe, and I think Echo is supposed to be five episodes, but where maybe one individual chapter of Echo is maybe not as satisfying, but if you do watch them all together, like it actually plays better. And we've seen that happen, uh, by the way, Paul, with a couple of the Marvel Studios series, where there were sometimes where mm -hmm. we got a weekly episode that, as a piece was nice, but like as its own individual viewing experience for a week, maybe wasn't as strong. And so I, if that's, and I think that might be the reason for Echo, that maybe the individual episodes aren't strong enough to carry a week all by themselves, but all together, they could still be a really good and really satisfying story. So really at, at that, as far as that change in release strategy, because overall it's not a strategic shift as far as what we know as of right now, as of this moment, it's just a one-off for this show and maybe it's a release strategy that's better suited to this show and how it actually unfolds from episode to episode. That's yeah. not an indication at all of the quality of the series overall. And what sucks is that people, obviously, and this is where the problem with like the YouTubers and things like that is they'll they'll pull out this narrative. It happened to Blue Beetle, where people were like, "Well, it's gonna bomb. It's going this, and it's gonna that," you know. And it feels like they're death sentencing something before it even comes out because of these things. When you it really, it's like people already have a negative connotation, and they watch it, and maybe it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's not the worst thing by any stretch of the imagination. So it already clouds their mind going into it and going, "Oh, this is crap." You know, they listen well, all and, once. And we're crap. seeing it now with uh, we saw it with the Marvels this week, and the mm -hmm. the rumor is the Marvels has maybe the shortest runtime in MCU history. Which, by the way, we do not yet have an official runtime for the Marvels. Um, yeah. But regardless, whenever we get the official runtime for the Marvels, if it ends up being the shortest movie in MCU history, if that ends up being true, that by itself does not mean the movie's going to be bad. 
runtime. Yeah, it, seriously. It's the it's the biggest, but somehow the most sustained and regular non-story in writing about and talking about movies is the issue of runtime. It just doesn't matter until you see the story. It's just a number. I've seen 90 minute movies that are great. I've seen three hour movies that are terrible. So it doesn't really yep. the, just be the long. It's not this equation or it's not this correlation where the longer the movie is, the better it is. We've talked about this before. I don't know how many times, but it came up this week and here I am, you know, mini ranting about it. But anytime I see this stuff come up, it again, it's until you see the movie, until you see the entire story unfold, it is just a number. And there's no yeah. real way consistently to assign quality to it ahead of time. You need to actually watch the movie and see for yourself whether or not it's any good. And so I, I think for the Marvels, I don't know. I, I don't know how much stock to put into this runtime uh, rumor that's been going around. But I also don't care because, as I said, mm -hmm. even when we get official runtimes, usually two or three weeks before a movie comes out, I still don't care because it doesn't tell me anything. It's about it's never about how long the movie actually is. It's about how long it feels because we've talked about this before, too. I've seen three hour movies like Avengers Endgame, where by the time I get to the end of it, I can't believe that three hours already went by. Because it's just stuffed with great storytelling and great character moments that just keep me engaged the whole time. So I am existing outside of time and space for the three hours that I'm sitting down and watching that movie. Or at least I feel like I am. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've seen 90-minute movies where I could not wait for the, th for the thing to be over. And it felt like it was taking forever to get there. So it's never... It's about the experience. <laughs> it's about the experience of the movie it is not about how uh, ultimately how long it is if if we watch the movie and it is short and it feels like it got shortchanged if it feels like certain moments didn't get developed as much as they should have okay fine and those will be things that i'm sure we would criticize when we actually see the movie but there's no way to know uh, ahead of time and it's not this one-to-one -one correlation of the longer a movie is the better it is or the shorter it is the worse it is it just doesn't work like that um so anyway I know we were talking yeah. about Disney Plus delays, but there I go ranting no, about no, the Marvels. But it's well, just that it's that same idea same of yeah, it's narratives getting constructed, and then that becomes the talk. That becomes all anybody wants to talk about is the narrative that's been built up around a movie or around exactly. a series, as opposed to mm -hmm. the actual the stories, yeah. the, the actual, actual content, stories yeah. that people are working really hard to tell. Um, and then I think that's it's a shame when it goes in uh, in that direction. But yeah, for for Echo and for the Marvels for different reasons. Um, I'm not looking at these things as, oh, we already know ahead of time that they're going to be disappointed. I'm still excited about each each project mm -hmm. with the belief that they can they both still have the potential to be really, really great. And, and I'm excited about each of them. Yeah, it, it, every every project has the potential to be awful. Every project has, has a chance to be great. Give and, and this is for anything, but with especially right now in the turmoil that's online of, of, of just preaching negativity for profit gain. And it's like. And, and that creating that narrative because it profits people. I, I just encourage people just to go in with this is with reasonable expectations, reasonable, meaning it's like it could be the greatest. It could be the worst. It could be somewhere in the middle of, of both those things. And I think Echo, am I predicting? Do I actually think Echo is going to be this amazing show? Probably not. But at the same time, I don't expect it to be complete crap either. I hope it's better than Secret Invasion. 
But at the same time, it's I I don't know. I just Marvel, you know, TV has been inconsistent for me. I've been very I've been I've been very critical. I've been very I've praised it when it's been good. And, you know, I, I think with with Echo, though, like you said, Sean, it, it maybe maybe there is merit to the five episode drop of like they're they're worried about the content itself. But like you said, also, it also could be very well a story based decision. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, just, we could it's put a smaller scale story that plays better all together. Because because here's the thing, if you put out, let's just say they, they were beholden to the weekly episode, like Disney, Disney Plus said, no, you have no choice. We have to do it this way. And maybe they wouldn't play as well. And those it'd give fodder for those people being like, this is the worst crap in the world. But now if you put it out all at once and people watch it, they go, actually, yeah, it starts off kind of slow, but it actually ends up pretty well. Like, because I, I think back to Andor. Andor is a very unique, and, and Andor has a lot of praise and a lot of, you know, a lot of, it's a critical darling, right? And it's funny, if you would have put that out, like, you know, three episodes, if you didn't put those three episodes out at once, Sean, which even then got criticized and it wasn't widely watched as much as people like to pretend it was, which I said, I love Andor. I'm not trying to say it was bad, but you know, they released three episodes at once and that's a good chunk. It's, you know, they really, they put two episodes out of Ahsoka for good reason. Like they knew like, okay, we, we might, we gotta, you know, we gotta start off strong here, but three episodes at once, that was a little interesting. And it, it, they, they pretty much told a good chunk of the story of the season to get people to realize, yeah, we created something that's a little slow and we need people to kind of get used to that. So it's a smart decision to understand the product and the content that you're releasing. And Absolutely. I think that, so I think the fact that, the, you know, so think about it this way. If, if let's say Echo is kind of like Andor in a sense of like, it's a little bit of a slower, you know, more of a drama based act, which would be real. It's based on the streets. It's not like going to be a in space or, you know, a lot of special effects. So it's going to be depend on a lot like we got from the Daredevil stuff. I'm not saying it's going to be Daredevil, you know, light for, you know, for like for Netflix, but you have to understand if they're willing to put out three episodes at once on a more of a slower based product like or, you know, more of a drama based product like a Andor, then if if I had no idea Echo's only five episodes, Sean, if it's only five episodes, why not put the whole thing out at that point? Right. I mean, might as well get people, you know, it's only yeah, five. episodes, And we and we don't know the runtime for exactly. those episodes. And even when we do, it'll just be a number until we see the show. Um, but I think that, yeah, it's. Let's let it play out and let's actually see it before we just assign some narrative to it. And then we and then we go into it with, you know, confirmation bias and full effect. So I yeah, it's, it's also, really it's really about giving these things the space. And and look, I I'm I'm not totally naive either. I, I also understand the the potential. Like, I understand where some of that speculation comes from, sure. that if there's a change to what they're doing, that there's a reason for it. And the reason and it may not necessarily be the the best reason. Do I really think that Disney is, or I mean, you would hope, right? The positive thing would be it's a sign of Disney and Marvel being able to look at a story and say, actually, this plays better altogether. So even though our main strategy for getting subscribers and being profitable with those subscribers and all that stuff for our overall streaming strategy, weekly episode drops work best for that. Um, but this one, but I also, I mean, again, the positive spin on this would love, would love for this to be a sign of Disney and Marvel saying, while that may be the main strategy, let's not, let's not we'll hold to that to strategy it. at the mm -hmm. expense of something that really is going to play better as have as a, as a binge watch of watching all the episodes at once or in close proximity to each other. Cause maybe this show doesn't necessarily have the type of story 
And it's just about the type and it's about the scale where it's not necessarily going to carry the week-to-week conversation for five weeks, but it can carry a conversation for five episodes that everybody binge watches and everybody thinks is is really good. So that is the positive uh, potential to this. Yes, there's also the other one where you could be you could give into the cynicism of that and just say, look, it's it's just a dump. They're just dumping all the episodes because they don't really believe in it. But as I said, until I see the show, I'm not really here. I'm not going to try to psychoanalyze their decisions. Like it could be either scenario. It could be some other different set of reasons that we're not even considering or thinking about, let alone talking about here on a podcast. So main the main point here is, again, we're not whether it's a rumored runtime or episode drop strategy. We shouldn't be forming our opinions and just, you know, thinking it's 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 all doom and it's all looking bad for a movie or a show that we have not yet seen and that we were otherwise really excited about. We can just continue to be excited about it. Yeah. And I and the weird thing is this whole thing about false narrative and, and Marvel being this this poster child now at this point in their in the, in the cycle of being the villains of like, oh, they've lost their way. What's interesting is when we're when you give me this article for the for the show because I, I avoid a lot of this stuff because I just want to like I want to go to things clean because I don't want to get polluted by stupidity out there I just don't and I gladly and you've heard us on these shows before if you listen for a long time we criticize when we don't like something me and Sean have disagreed we've agreed on yeah. we both not like something it, that's if not, that goes bad you'll hear me talking about <laughs> that when we get when we actually do our episode that's spoiler right. reviews of echo like that'll happen yeah. if, if it's bad or if, if I think it's bad if Paul thinks it's bad you'll hear us say as much yeah and and we and listen we both liked and loved episodes in a series look at Miss Marvel for me and look at secret Invasion, you know for both of us yeah you know? and so I mean, look at how it turned listen to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen yeah. to the first three spoiler reviews and then listen to the last three. Yeah. And so it, what's interesting, uh, going back to my original point, was when I was reading this, I had read about the um, Ironheart thing, how it's already been finished, and they they took it off the schedule. Well, you know what I was seeing a couple days before, which I I was read like headlines. I was like, oh, I just rolled my eyes, like, all right, whatever. I, I didn't pay any mind. And then I now I know where it came from was what people were saying – Ironheart gets taken off the list. It might, you know, it might be that bad or it's so bad or it's been taken off the schedule. I was like, oh my God. Like literally after I'm reading this article of like Hollywood Reporter, like, you know, obviously Marvel leaked this or someone leaked it on purpose, essentially, right? Saying, hey, like we're doing this and we want people to know what's going on. And the whole idea of Marvel eventizing things, I think is a positive sign in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us would say that. And then you take Ironheart off the schedule, which already done filming for God's sakes. It's and, it's done filming, but the Hollywood Reporter noted in their article that its completion is affected by the strike. So that's other stuff that I mentioned. There could be they might have completed principal photography. There might be reshoots, additional photography they still need to do. There might be ADR sure. that they still need to do. Um, for example, like what's uh, what's a key component to Iron Man stories? And we saw it from Riri Williams in Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. All the stuff where it's the head inside the helmet, maybe she hasn't finished all that yet. And so maybe there's dialogue that she was supposed to do by herself later on. And I'm just, this is a supposed thing. This is not like a, this is completely speculation. I don't know specifically what it is other than what the Hollywood Reporter is saying here, that it finished shooting, but its completion is affected by the strikes, which means there's something else that they need actors and or writers for in order to finish the show and they have no idea when that's going to happen because nobody right now has any idea when these strikes are going to be resolved. So 
that makes sense to pull it off the schedule. Why why keep uh, posting dates for something when you really don't know um, because it's not finished? Again, principal photography may be done, but that doesn't mean it's finished. That doesn't mean all the actors and writers are, are really and truly completely done with the show. And evidently they're not because it is impacted by the strike. So that's that's why it's off the schedule. It's not off the schedule because Disney and Marvel are thinking about not releasing this thing. Yeah, and and that's the thing that's crazy is people put that stuff out in headlines, and that's where that false narrative comes from. There's information that gets, you know, basically perverted, and it's just like – it's just crazy to me. And, and it sucks because now people will see that, and they'll say, oh, Ironheart was so bad they had to, like, go and like, read – it's like they don't – they don't think they don't go look. They just read headlines or watch a guy's you know rant about how bad Marvel is and this is how bad it is. When you bring up a reasonable explanation of what's going on, and I, I I'm for one stoked about Ironheart. I like the fact we're gonna get. I liked her a, a lot in Wakanda Forever, and I thought she was a great character. I love we're getting the hood and the. And we, I mean, we talk when we get closer to that series, Sean. Man, I'm gonna go crazy about the hood. Oh, can't wait for that. And so, like, there's great stuff in that series that I'm really excited to talk about. And I'm just like, I'm already like, we're already trying to crap on this. Like, what are you guys doing? I mean, like, let's wait. Let's yeah. put the judge I mean, before it's even out. Yeah, you know? I should say, you know, we've gone on too far on these on these rants with knowing full well that a lot of our audience is just totally not uh, looking at a lot of the stuff or not buying that's into fair. That's fair. A, a lot of the stuff that's out there. And, and, and to your credit, dear listeners. Um, and in, as far as some of the other stuff, just to kind of go through these delays, um, X-Men 97. Well, I'm excited about just hearing that we might still get what if season two this year. That would be great if we can still yeah, see. Me too. Yeah. And that's a nice break, right? You get I know not necessarily a, a big break between Ahsoka and Loki, but we'll get Loki. And then right as Loki ends, we're getting the Marvels, although I think there's still a little too much overlap there. But I digress. Um, but then we get uh, a break until it sounds like until around Christmas time. And that's when we'll get what if season two. And if we're getting what if season two, I don't even need echo in January, 2024, not because I'm not excited about echo, but let's space it out. Like I don't want to, mm -hmm. I'd rather not have echo until what if season two is completely done dropping new episodes on Disney plus. I, I would like a little bit of space between these things, especially if echo is going to be dropping all of its episodes at once. And then same thing for, X-Men 97, like I'm fine with not seeing it this fall while we're going to be very busy with Loki and the Marvels and then uh, What If Season 2. If they save X-Men 97 for after that, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I'm totally good with that. And then Agatha Darkhold Diaries on its third title now. Um, fall makes sense. Halloween time makes total sense. Yeah, seriously, I mean, why I, not? I actually enjoy rewatching WandaVision around Halloween time, and I'm gonna, I'm certainly gonna be rewatching Werewolf by Night next month. So, oh hell, I can forget about that. I, I love yeah. the idea of having these shows lined up more at certain times of the year that might better fit the storytelling. Like it was great to have a Hawkeye Disney Plus series that was around Christmas time in the story and in our own world. Like that was awesome. Um, just like Iron Man 3, it came out in May of 2013, but now it's a regular uh, holiday rewatch for me around Christmas time. And it plays better uh, than it did in theaters uh, when it's actually when you're actually watching around the time of year that the movie is set in. So anyway, I, as far as these delays go, I don't really think it's uh, ultimately it's understandable for a lot of reasons in and out of Marvel and Disney's control, whether it's the strike or whether it's you know, strategic shifts uh, in terms of the approach to streaming and slowing things down. So stretching out 
uh, the money that's already been spent with the productions that have already been completed or almost completed. I think it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, it asks a little more patience of us as an audience, but like I said, our patience has been well-developed. We have been working on this muscle for the better part of three and a half years, um, and ultimately, I, I think it will be in the best interest of all of these projects, and even, and I know this just sounds, uh, this probably sounds like too much positive spin, but it's genuine in terms of what I believe. I think our experience as fans is better when we have more space between these things. Um, and they're not stacked right on top of each other. Some of these may still end up being too close to each other. I don't know. But when we have time to savor what is here and now in front of us uh, without just constantly being uh, have, being preoccupied with what is coming, at, what's, what's right around the corner, um, I like that we're going to have space for this. And also, again, movies are also a, a part of this in terms of how we're experiencing these stories and, and how much we're getting within a given amount of time. So... I'm okay with these delays. We're we're totally used to it at this point, and we will see these projects in due time. And obviously, very excited and hoping that Loki season two. Um, and right now, there's no reason to doubt that it will. Uh, to suspect that it wouldn't, but obviously, right now, Loki season two sounds like it is still very much on track for its October sixth premiere, and we are of course very very excited about that. We are also excited, Paul to hear that uh, physical media was making a comeback. And for the first Woo! time ever, Disney Plus original series from Marvel and Star Wars, we're going to focus on Marvel, but yes, the first two seasons of The Mandalorian will be on physical media, 4K and Blu-ray, 4K Blu-ray, standard HD Blu-ray, um, this December, pre-orders already available. Um, but for the purposes of MCU Fan Show, focusing on Marvel we know that Loki is coming out at the end of this month, um, the com the complete first season, and then the complete series of WandaVision is due in late November. Pre-orders are uh, available for those as well, although it was tricky with how to do those pre-orders, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. But before we get into complaints about uh, pre-orders, Paul, just this, the initial news, and I talked about this on uh, an episode of Fan Show Plus um, but this is the first time you and I have had a chance to talk about it besides, you know, some excited but then also frustrated texts that we've <laughs> that we've gone back and Good forth on uh, about this news. I'm happy that this is finally happen uh, that this is finally happening. This is within the the scope, I think, of what we suspected would happen in terms of we knew it wasn't necessarily going to that these shows weren't necessarily going to get massive physical releases in the way that movies typically do um, from uh, obviously from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But whenever this would come up, and it did come up somewhat frequently during Q&A shows of whether or not there would ever be a physical media release, I always saw it happening one of two ways, either a collector's edition, which is kind of turns out what we're getting, you know, collector's edition steelbooks, or it would be maybe they would make you wait for an entire phase or saga box set, like the various Marvel phase one, two, and three box sets that came out or the Infinity Saga box set that had its own pre-order issues, by the way, which is why a lot of fans didn't end up being able to get one. Um, but there, I figured it'd be somewhere within that range. And that's pretty much what has unfolded, that we have WandaVision and Loki. And, and by the way, um, I will also just say that because I, I think this question came out because you if you notice this, if you're keeping score at home, which I know many of you are, 
Obviously, this is not the order in which Marvel Studios' Disney Plus series were released. It was WandaVision, then The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then Loki. So the fact that they skipped The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, does that mean it's not happening? No, I don't believe that's really the indication. I think the reason why Loki is first is because it just syncs up with the release of the second season. So easy promotional opportunity um, for Disney and Marvel to take advantage of. So that's why Loki is coming out when it is. And then we get WandaVision. Perhaps then we start going in order, but they may also use these as promotional vehicles. So maybe they save the Falcon and the Winter Soldier collector's edition for when Cap 4 is going to come out. Um, so there's maybe Miss Marvel. It's, I mean, I would guess if Miss Marvel was going to come out in physical media with them in conjunction with the Marvels, we already would have heard about it. So maybe they're going to wait for another opportunity for Kamala Khan somewhere on down the line. I do kind of hope that, I mean, it just makes sense for Hawkeye to drop around Christmas. And again, if it was going to be this Christmas, I, I think the pre-order would already be up. But since it's not, maybe Christmas next year, we get the Hawkeye Disney Plus series. But I do think we're going to get them all eventually in due time. I don't even suspect that we'll always have to wait two, two to two and a half years in order to get them from Disney Plus to physical media. There will always be some period of exclusivity on Disney Plus, and I do think it would be significant. But Paul, you and I texted about it. The sweet spot to me sounds maybe like a year-ish, give or take. But regardless of how all of this happens and the specifics of it, you know, that are, are yet to be revealed, just this initial step of having physical media availability for these, for all the reasons that people might want them, whether you're an audio and video file who appreciates the superiority of uh, a physical media, or you just really like having those, you know, a nice looking steelbook on your shelf for the Disney Plus series right next to your steelbooks for all the movies, or it's both of those reasons or any set of reasons, you know, as a collector, as a viewer, whatever the reason. I think people should have the ability to consume these shows uh, however they want, and it can be made available in those ways, especially since it still makes it, uh, makes business sense for Disney to do it this way. So I'm happy that these physical media releases are happening. Whether or not Disney and Marvel are doing the best they can with these physical media releases, I would say no, they're not. Um, but I'll I'll save that for uh, for after you get through your excitement, Paul, because I know obviously you're very excited about this news. Yeah, and I, I've, I've complained about you know this whole lack of physical media, especially for the Star Wars stuff. I would say more for Star Wars and Marvel at this point, but even for Marvel, like for Falcon Winter Soldier, which I think is is a beautiful looking, and Loki, I'd, I'd say too, um, really good, a lot of special effects and things like that. Uh, these kinds of shows and just the epicness that I thought that Falcon Winter Soldier was and things like that. Um, you know. I, it just it just sucks that like you know I wasn't gonna get like the best quality I could for that because for me I, I don't you know both my old house and my new house my new house has a much better internet connection than the previous one but I still have you know streaming problems here or there and it, it's just it's just irritating and you know yes I, I've gone and gone and on about how I, I you know physical media is is a superior at this point and you know maybe I'm not sure what if I'll ever if, if streaming will ever get to that point maybe it will one day but I don't know but regardless you know I just like to have the best quality I can for a lot of different reasons and not just picture because you know I still like you know the other day I was watching uh, Jedi Young Adventures with, with Lulu and like it just buffers here or there I'm just like god damn just get look better for god's sakes it's just irritating and i'm I, some people doesn't bother it bothers me and, and not just that the sound the sound is just not going to be as strong and and like like i watched um batman uh the batman on on hbo max um when it came out with my wife 
and I had you know my surround sound on. It sounded it sounded decent. But you know, I played it on my surround sound now, and it's just like on my on my 4K disc, and it just, just booms. It's just crazy how much better it sounds. And I'm just like, God, you know. And I just for these Marvel shows and these Star Wars shows, it's just nice that I can actually sit down. Don't have to worry about any internet. I can. It'll be an amazing looking picture. It'll sound incredible. I can watch it anytime I want to. I don't have to have internet problems or have to fight with my wife for not watching Netflix at the same time. I'm trying to watch something else. You know, I mean, like. Those are the things as you as you get into the, a family and you, of all all that stuff starts you know this is where the internet connection starts to bog down, and and it makes me miss like hardline cable sometimes and those things. So, it's it's one of those things where you know it depends on I think where you're at where you know oh physical, absolutely physical, you know physical media is is it's not going to be everyone's you know cup of tea. And I think the problem is is that some people think that like oh who cares or, or whatever. For me, it's 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 like what you said. If you like the superiorness, I think of physical media, or and if you like both of having a collector, like I I like both of those things. Uh, physical media is where it's at. Yeah, it's shrunk. I'm not gonna can say sit here and say it's like it's as big as it ever has. Like, no, it's it's way smaller. But why don't like you said, Sean, like you're what they're doing now. And this is where it confused me because I'm used to doing steelbooks only through Best Buy. So I'm trying like yeah. for the Marvel stuff. I only have the basic. I only have one steelbook of, of the MCU, which is the No Way Home. That's the only one I bought. Everything else is standard. And I don't care. I'm like, I'm, I'm just fine with the standards. I don't need to get steelbook, whatever. I missed out a long time ago. I wasn't going to go back and all that stuff. So I was just looking for the standard 4K sets of Loki. And I'm like, where is this? I always see a steel like, steelbook only. What? It was very confusing. I'm like, oh, it's only steelbook for all the all you know Marvel and Star Wars. I'm like, that's interesting. I'm actually thankful for it. And they're not. I think they're they're not reasonably priced. I think they're a little overpriced, but they're not overly overly priced either. So I feel like it's a good sweet spot of like, yeah, I'm spending a decent amount for you know. A, I'm spending a decent amount of money essentially. And I think it's, and I'm fine with that. I think hopefully Disney figures out the more of a specialized thing you make it. And the more you put it in like a steel book or whatever, what have you, it'll make people like myself. I'll shell the money over. Like I'll gladly give you money for physical media, like star Wars and Marvel and DC too, to an extent like DC. I'm, I'm, I'm not as beholden to them as much as I am Marvel and star Wars, but like I even though they only put out Peacemaker on Blu-ray, I'm like, I need to get that because I want I, I like to have all the DC stuff on physical media too. So it's as long as they keep putting it out and it's and it's worth it. And I'm like, you know, it's it gives me that collection sense. I'm gonna show money at it. It's gonna happen. I'm just gonna do it. And so I think I think Disney just needs to find that sweet spot. And I think they're starting to experiment a little bit more because outside of Marvel and Star Wars, people are talking about the restoration for Cinderella, you know, uh, and how the 4K of that looks incredible. Yeah, and you know, Snow White's coming up, too. Yeah. So I think there's they're starting to realize, you know, yeah, less people have it. But the more we make it an event when we, like, we eventize these releases, kind of like when they used to put it back in the vault, quote unquote. Yeah. It's kind of like doing that again where, yeah, not, you know, regular fam all families aren't going to have 4K players. But you know what? The families that really lo love like the, the, the content like a Cinderella, like a Star Wars or Marvel, which is a lot of people. And there's a lot of people who are hardcore fans. They'll start buying those 4K players or they'll start going, oh, I'll buy, you know, when I buy my, my son Johnny 
a new video game system. I'll make sure it has the 4K player capability. You know, like they'll start doing that and they'll start making sure they they, they say, okay, I want to get a 4K player so I can watch my, you know, these Disney movies in 4K the way they, they were meant to be or the, the color yeah. would be great. That will be better. And they'll, and that's the thing is it's not going to be every other household. It'll be smaller, but you put an extra 15, 20 bucks on those discs. It's you're making up for those people who aren't buying it at that point. So I'm stoked. Obviously there's, it's not perfect, which Sean will get into. And I agree with this, but sure. But at least we're getting it. It's, it's a start. Yeah. And by the way, if you want to just watch the Cinderella 4k restoration on Disney plus you can, it's there too. And I think that's the, the main point is People don't necessarily have to choose. Disney doesn't necessarily have to choose. It can be both. I I totally understand why when you, you're making these shows for your streaming platform. And so, you know, the idea is to entice people to subscribe to the streaming platform. And you don't want the physical media release to come at the expense of your subscriber goals. I totally get that. But the exclusivity doesn't have to be permanent in order to have its effect. And so, as I said before, and this is just pulling a number out of thin air, but I don't think it needs to be a two-year turnaround or two-plus years between when something drops on Disney Plus versus when the physical media release happens. I think for people who are subscribing to Disney Plus for a Marvel show or for the Star Wars shows, I don't think they would. I don't think they would stop subscribing to Disney Plus if they had to wait a year to, you know, to watch something on physical media. I think I think they would keep their Disney Plus subscription and then just buy the show uh, a year later when it's out. So I do think the turnaround times on these things could be shortened. But the main point here is that yeah, there are reasons why people want to have streaming, but also there's still going to be again. No, it's not the same market that it used to be, and it never will be again. And that's fine. That can be true. And yet it can also be true that there is enough of a market to go ahead and, and put these series out, obviously with a, a bit of a delay, but then still put them out to satisfy collectors, audio, video files, whatever camp, whatever you know bucket somebody puts themselves in. They have their reasons. And, and look, I've had Disney Plus for almost four years now, right, since it launched. And that has given me access to Every Marvel Studios movie that's not a co-production with Sony, um, and even then, like Homecoming's on Disney Plus now, and it's a matter of time before Far From Home and No Way Home are eventually on there. But I'm still buying these physical releases because I also, again, I do collect the Steelbooks, and that's also why the pre-order was a little confusing, is yeah, I'm totally in that mode of I pre-order my Marvel Steelbooks from Best Buy, and then they, they're added onto the shelf. But even though I have them, that doesn't mean that I don't still stream Marvel movies. There's plenty of times where I'm on Disney Plus and I'm like, I could get up and, and go get a disc off the shelf and, and watch it, or I could just hit a button and I can start watching Infinity War. And so I just hit a button and start watching Infinity War because I'm fortunate enough to be in a place where I do have really good internet. And so like, I still know maximum capability for audio and video you're still going to have less, even with the best streaming, the level of compression required to make something available for streaming is still going to result in a lower quality uh, presentation compared to a physical disc. And that's pretty much always going to be true. Maybe, I mean, who knows? The way technology advances, maybe that won't always be true. But for now, that's still true. Although for me, 
the difference is really hardly, hardly noticeable because, again, I have a pretty strong internet connection that allows for streaming and it looks... I, I've not been dissatisfied or bothered at all by the audio or video presentation of what's been available for these series on Disney+. Plus. But speaking of that audio and video presentation, I, I went on a longer rant about this on Fanshow Plus, so for those who already heard that, I, I kind of want to spare them, but just to to as quickly as I can re- you know, recap this with brevity never being my strong suit. The one thing that still appears to be missing from the discs that I'm not seeing on any of the specs so far, and again, maybe not all the details are out yet, but so far, it looks like Dolby Vision is not being included on the physical discs, and that's pretty standard for Disney. It is not standard, however, for the industry. It is not standard for their other counterparts, the all the other major studios that are putting out things on physical media. For whatever reason, I think for a Marvel Studios release, the last thing that I remember having Dolby Vision on the disc was Black Panther, which, you know, was a while ago. So um, it's for whatever reason, you know, Disney, they do include Dolby Atmos for the sound on the discs, but for whatever reason, they don't include Dolby Vision, which just to recap briefly what that is, it's basically universally understood and accepted as the premier HDR format that gives the absolute maximum contrast between, you know, the blackest blacks and the brightest whites, um, as well as the full color gamut. Like it is the superior HDR video format, universally accepted as such. But for whatever reason, Disney stands out as the one major studio that does not put it on the discs of their physical media releases. And there are reasons for that. I mean, it is it's another company with Dolby, so there's a, there's licensing and stuff involved. But they license it for Disney Plus, so why not also do it for the physical media? And if it really impacted profitability significantly for physical media releases. Why do all the other studios do it and Disney doesn't? It just doesn't. I I feel like whatever cost is associated with it um, is negligible. And it's something that Disney could very easily spring for to have included on the disc. Because my main point here is you're not they're not charging any less. Disney doesn't charge less for their physical uh, physical media releases than the other studios. They're the prices are pretty much aligned across the board. Obviously, these are different because these are our series releases, not movies. That's why they're going to be more expensive. But they're not charging any less. So I don't understand why Disney puts out a product that is not that is just by its own nature automatically inferior to what other studios are putting out. You're not asking your customers to pay any less, so you shouldn't be giving them less. I, I just I believe that if if Disney's going to go ahead and move forward with physical media releases, and they should, and they are. Um, they should provide the best possible physical media release that they can. I think that their physical media customers deserve just as deserve the best possible video presentation, just like Disney believes their streaming customers deserve the best possible streaming presentation, which is why they put Dolby Vision on Disney Plus, at least for as many things as they can. And so they don't do that for physical media, and they totally should. I, I believe their customers deserve that. And so especially when we're talking about physical media customers and streaming customers, most of that is an overlap. Most of that is the same group. Most of the people buying on physical media are probably also subscribing to Disney+. Plus. So if they're willing to spend money for a Disney Plus subscription and then spend even more money to have something for their collection or to uh, maybe wanting to have a physical media uh, option because of their internet connection or for whatever reason they have that preference, they're still spending their hard-earned money, so they deserve the best possible product in exchange for that hard-earned money. Um, I think that's a pretty simple principle 
that Disney should adhere to. Uh, all their other studio counterparts do it. So I don't understand why Disney doesn't unless they they want the physical media to inherently have some inferior some piece of inferiority compared to the digital release and maybe because Disney wanted physical media to be phased out and that's why there's been this hesitation in the first place I don't know I, I don't know what their motivations actually are I can only speculate in the end though I believe that if you're going to ask customers to spend that money you should give them the best possible product that they can that you can and for if you're Disney and you're not putting Dolby Vision on these discs, you know that's that you're not doing that. You're not giving them the best possible product for the money that they spend, and you really, you really, truly should. Yeah, I, I, I don't have Dolby, Dolby Vision on my new TV. It was something I, I, I wanted to get, but I want I sacrificed for the price point, uh, size over, um, you know, that kind of quality. Uh, just I just I just didn't have the just you know I wanted to have a giant ATV. And I just didn't. I just couldn't put a Dolby Vision in on that size. Would have been not in my wheelhouse. My wife would have killed me. So, uh, <laughs> and that's fair. Know. I think for for a lot of people, it doesn't make a difference because they may not have a Dolby Vision capable television. Although these days, a lot of uh, uh, TVs are Dolby Vision capable. I I understand it. It's not necessarily something that applies to everyone, but it's actually a fairly. If it was more of a niche product in terms of how often it was offered, then I would understand it. But literally, right. go you talk about the Batman. Go buy a, a 4K copy of the Batman. Go buy a 4K copy of, I don't know, Mission Impossible or whatever, you know, Top Gun Maverick from Paramount. Like, go ahead and buy uh, a standard, go ahead and buy a 4K disc from any other studio of any movie that they put out in the last several years. And what's included on it is Dolby Vision because it's, it's just right. a standard there because it is universally the best HDR video yeah, output well. that's available. So you right. just put it on there and Disney should be doing that for the discs. Will every customer benefit from it? No, just like not every customer will benefit from a physical media release, period. But if you're going to exactly. make the decision right. to do it, just make that available for the people who would want it and can use it and are going to spend just as much money on it as anybody else. Yeah, exactly. And so I hope hopefully these are successful enough. And it may, we don't know, Sean. Maybe this will this will be what makes them go. You know what? We we waited, and these were really successful, and we're starting to see like after a year of doing these releases, and they start seeing a profit, a, a decent profit from it. Maybe I don't know. Who knows? I have no idea. But hopefully, now nah, because if they're if they're selling out of these things, and it looks like they are, uh, um, then they'll say we're we're selling out without spending the extra money to include this. Fair. So what's yeah. the incentive for doing it? Um, well, other than just, people, I don't know, doing right by your customers, but you well, know, that, well, that hasn't what, won out in this decision making process. Well, here's the thing. Maybe and maybe because it sells out, but more people who buy it and there's more and now they realize there is a legitimate, you know, p segment out there, a decent segment of people showing up this money. And they, a lot of them are saying, where the hell's our Dolby Vision? And yeah. they start seeing that. That's what I'm, I'm hoping might happen. It makes them because this has been going on for a while. And I think that because Disney has been trying to phase out physical media and they finally like they kind of threw in the white, you know, the flag a little bit like, OK, we're finally going to you know do this for many different reasons. Let's be real. But at any rate, the fact that they're throwing in the towel and they finally are finally doing this, that's a big deal. It's a big step. So I'm wondering now that they're going to start going down that avenue a little bit more of these Disney Plus releases. And they, again, with that, more people start maybe investing in physical media and they start realizing like, hey, my home theater stuff is pretty rad. Like, you know, I, which I still think is a very, very, 
a very legitimate thing. I think more people are going to start in, you know, with streaming, start going, you know what? I do want like the best, like, you know, highest quality of stuff. And I don't always want to stream it because I love having a good picture and I love having sound. And I think that's going to, again, more of a, a little bit, not a niche niche, you could say, but a little higher than that, whatever above a niche market would be. It's just a small market, whatever, regardless enough to where it's still going to get a, a decent amount of people dedicated to buying stuff. Like look at me and Clow. I mean, like we are always talking about, you know, for me, it's always like, what, what's the best deal I can get the cheapest. And that's just for me. I'm always about trying to find a deal. That's just how I'm a wheeler and dealer. And Chris is the exact opposite. He's like, I want the best quality picture I can for, you know, with this much money. And and we're always, you know, talking about what's the best sound, what's this, what I can do for this, for you know, all that stuff. And there's a lot of people like us who are, you know, growing more and more because it's just, I think things are coming because technology has it come so far that it's now now it doesn't have to be ultra, ultra wealthy or, you know, a super high making household to have a decent sounding like theater system. You know, it really is becoming easier and easier to have high quality TVs without having to break the huge bank to do that. And I think I'm a great example of that. Yeah. I have a very, I have a very moderate like home theater, but you know what? I'm more than most people then I would say like, but I love it. And I, and I'm, it's a hobby. I love it. And I think more people are going to discover it's not as bad as it used to be because technology has come so far. And so I think that once people realize that, it's going to get even, it'll get out again. It won't be huge, but it'll be bigger than it is now currently. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that I could totally see, hang on. Overall, it won't necessarily look like that in terms of physical media doing bigger numbers than it ever has before, absolutely. you know, yeah. but that's not necessarily the point. I mean, I think what you have is in the same way that, look, there's still, you know, the iPod slash iPhone has existed for a long time now, and there are still people who buy vinyl. So like there are people who still want, there's enough of a market um, to cater to, to serve. And, and yeah, for the people who still want to do that, it means overall, you know, the, the average price of a 4K disc is higher now than it was maybe 10 years ago, just like you know, a, a vinyl, you know, what, what happens when a band puts out an album on vinyl? It's, it's limited edition, right? That's how it's, de that's how it's described. And that's, or 180 gram vinyl, which is way thicker than the and normal it's the vinyl. Same, it, well, it's, it's the same awful. thing as this call it limited edition, call it collector's exactly. edition. Yeah, exactly. it's, they both mean the same thing. And so you're, you're catering to more of a niche audience, but at the same time, as I said, that's a niche audience. That's also part of your larger streaming audience. And so there's enough of that niche audience. It's big enough to make this worthwhile. Um, and I think Disney agrees, which is why they're doing it. And also, when we get back to the point about profitability when it comes to streaming, that yeah, th this is part of that. If you have another way to make money off of these series, so yes, the primary vehicle is the streaming platform. But in addition to that, for the money that you spent making these very, very, very expensive Marvel and Star Wars shows, for all the money that you spent to bolster your streaming platform, you also then can turn around and make some extra money uh, at the end by having these collector's edition physical media releases. And as I said, Disney obviously agrees because here they are doing this. And I would just say, again, it's just the principle of go ahead and make it the best product that you, for the money that you're charging, deliver the best product that you can. Because there are probably a lot of people out there who don't even know that they have a Dolby Vision capable television because a lot of them really I mean, it's fairly standard now on on most new televisions except for samsung is the one uh 
TV manuf- major TV manufacturer that stands out of not offering uh, Dolby Vision on their sets. They favor HDR10 or HDR10 Plus. So, um, which again, just corporate whatever. But yeah, I, I think you should go ahead and, and offer the best possible product. They are choosing not to. But is that enough of a principled stand for me where I did not place my pre order for WandaVision or Loki? Nope, I still pre-ordered my copies of WandaVision and Loki and those 4K steelbooks because even without Dolby Vision, I still want to watch those shows on disc. And I'm going to be very curious to um, to watch those and, and and also watch some of the same scenes on Disney Plus and switch back and forth to actually see which one I ultimately prefer um, in terms of the video and the audio. I don't know how much of a difference I'll ultimately uh, detect, but I'm I'm looking forward to finding out. And if nothing else... It's just another great way and a great excuse to revisit these series um, is to go ahead and here's here's another way to watch them. Just like we watch these Marvel movies in theaters, but then we have these various ways to rewatch them and revisit them at home. Um, one thing I want to touch on before we before we do get out of here, speaking of the pre-orders, Paul, this is just another one of my my complaints about this. This was not handled well. Um, and, and I don't say this to... Um, to promote the pre-orders or to say, go get your copy or, or whatever, because I'm guessing if you're listening to this and you already had an interest in those steelbooks, there's a good chance you've already placed your pre-order anyway. Um, so just commenting on the, the business of this. So I talked about the Dolby Vision decision um, not really being up to the standard that I think uh, Disney should have out there. That is kind of the, the industry standard. Also, the way this was handled was, um, was a bit funky in, in my view. Like I... It was kind of strange to have the announcement of the a couple weeks ago that these 4K steelbooks were going to exist and say the pre-orders would happen on August 28th. But then you get to August 28th and some retailers have pre-orders ready, but then they take them down. Some retailers, you know, took them till later in the day to put out the pre-orders. It took until the next day, August 29th, for Marvel's official accounts to actually announce the pre-orders, even though they had previously announced that August 28th would be the day. And yeah, it was a little confusing because Steelbooks historically have been, at least in North America, or at least in the US anyway, have been exclusive to Best Buy. Uh, But that's not the case with these releases. They were available at Best Buy, Walmart, and Amazon, although not all of them are available on all the same places. Like I think WandaVision, last I checked, still wasn't available on Amazon, and I still haven't it's been. It's on a- there, yeah. Uh, oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. My buddy sent me the link. Okay, so then you know, Wandavision has issues, but then, or at least not right away. And and then there was also some confusion over which one was the 4K copy versus which one yep. was the Blu-ray, as everybody was just trying to find links as they were selling out, or people thought they were selling out, but that's just because links were disappearing and then popping back up again. Suffice to say, it was not a smooth pre-order launch for these discs, and. I just don't understand how that happens. I, I don't understand how when you have a product launch or a pre-order launch, I don't, and you announce it ahead of time. And and by the way, none of us had any idea this stuff existed. So if they weren't going to be ready for the pre-orders on time, on the 28th, ready to go, if they weren't going to be ready for that, they could have delayed the announcement and then just waited until they were ready to do this because it just leads to confusion and frustration amongst fans. And as I said, this isn't the first time this has happened with physical media releases. I mean, one time, famously a few years ago, when they did the big Infinity Saga box set, which I can look at right now because I was lucky enough to get one, 
a lot of people didn't even know about it until it had already sold out. And I think that happened, at least for Best Buy, I think they sold out out of a number of their steelbooks before people even knew that the pre-orders had gone live. And then, as I said, some things looked like they were sold out, but they really weren't just because the links got taken down and then were put back up a little bit later on. So it's just been uh, not at all. It hasn't been at all smooth. It's led to some frustration and, and confusion. And I just don't understand, you know, putting your audience, your customers in that sort of position when it's completely avoidable. I, I really it's not like any one catastrophic thing happened that, you know, broke down a system. We're not talking about how they announce something like when tickets go on sale and, you know, they crash Fandango or AMC or whatever online ticket retailer. That's not really what happened. Um, and maybe that's what no. they were trying to avoid by not saying here's the, the specific time that everybody can go to these sites and do their pre-orders. But one way or another, Paul, it should just be easier and more fun and allow for part of the excitement of these releases to have the pre-order process be smooth as opposed to having, having, as you said, somebody gave me a link. Everybody having to track down different links all day or all week in order to get their pre-orders in because I I would have liked to have just placed one order. But now I've got like four orders in four different places to get all these things. Yeah, that's it was so frustrating because I originally thought, oh, Best Buy, Steelbooks, there's a 4K disc. Cool. I, I pre-ordered my Mandalorian ones. And then someone looked and goes, there's only the blue only the Blu-rays are available. I went, that's weird. And I looked and went, oh, God, I pre-ordered Blu-rays? Get that crap out of here. So I canceled it immediately. And I was so confused. And I realized, oh, no, someone told me, no, no, the, the Steelbooks are for or, – or it's a it's across all the, the – all, everybody. I went, oh. And so I went on Amazon. I'm like, Amazon has it? Well, I'm ordering on this. This is the, my, I have Amazon Prime. It's just like this is the easiest way to do it. And I got them. But then later on, I couldn't – all I found was Loki on 4K. I couldn't find WandaVision anywhere. It was like – and I and that's what we, we were talking. And a buddy finally later on that night, I think after we had talked, he said he – goes, I found the link finally. It finally came up. Yeah, WandaVision was missing the whole day. And then Best Buy – um, Tim had pre-ordered the Mando 4K steelbooks um, like middle of the night uh, on the 28th. So like at midnight, one o'clock, he's, he's a night owl. He ordered them. It was, oh, they're up. They're great. I better order these now. And the next, and by, by the time I came in, I, now mind you, I wake up at 5 a.m. during the week, every like Monday through Friday, clockwork, like 5, 5.15, I'm up. And at 6 a.m. I went, oh yeah, it's the 28th. I should pre-order those. It's plenty of time. The, as, as I told you guys before, there were, I couldn't find any blue. I couldn't find the 4Ks of, of both WandaVision and Loki. They weren't available at all. Not even the Blu-rays. And the 4Ks for the Mandos were not available, but the Blu-rays were. It was very confusing. And just like you said, Sean, why did it make it like the whole point of doing this is making it like fun for everyone? Like, oh, I pre-ordered my copies. It's great. We're so excited. Instead, everyone's like, what the hell is going on? Right. And it just add. And it honestly just let's be real. It distracts and makes people go, I'll do it later and forget about it. It, it so, dampens. the Well, it dampens the enthusiasm and it becomes exactly. a thing where the next time they want to do one of these launches, people are like, you know what? It's just too much of a pain. Like. Stop giving people excuses to not do something. So like, don't give people reasons to not spend money because if there are reasons to not spend money, people are going to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll save myself the headache and save myself a few bucks or more than a few bucks on the prices of these things. Um, I, I just don't understand that. Like, if If you're going to go ahead and launch the product, then do it right. Do it correctly. Create a smooth experience for customers in addition to providing the best possible version of that product 
that you can for customers. Those just seem like pretty simple things that I'm not sure why that was missed when it came to these physical media releases. But, you know, I it like I said, not, obviously none of these things uh, in terms of my own consumer decision, none of these things were deal breakers for me because if I if that's what it took, placing pre-orders with a few different retailers in order to get everything, well, that's what I went ahead and that's what I did. So um, it's not the way it should have been. It's certainly not a way if you're going to to maintain this business and, and use the business of physical media as an, an additional revenue stream. And, and why wouldn't you? The money's there. Just go get it by offering the product to consumers. But you should still want to maximize that simply by um, doing the, getting the basics right, offering the best possible product, um, the industry standard of the product, and also um, by making it making the transaction experience um, very smooth. And obviously, I think the reason why they ultimately went with the phrase collector's edition instead of limited edition is I suspect these aren't really that limited. I, I suspect that they'll make about as many of these as they sell. I mean, I know Best Buy has sold out of some of these, but Amazon still hasn't sold out from what I can tell on some of these. They're still offering, uh, you can still buy Loki, you can still buy Mandalorian, whichever ones, yeah, whichever ones you want to get. Um, because I, I do think that can they'll they'll make this for available for as many people who want it, which is great. I don't want people who want these things to not be able to get it and have to pay some outrageous price on eBay or or anything like that. But at the same time, just do the basics of uh, of getting the best possible product out into the hands of consumers in a way that that's easy for them to actually complete their transactions. Those are simple things. And, and I don't think any of those are, are too much to ask for. As I said, that's that those are all just pretty fundamental, just starting points of, of doing business with customers that Disney usually understands. But when it comes to uh, these particular physical media releases and some in the past, uh, for whatever reason, you know, the, this is where the slip ups have happened. Preach. But uh, I don't know, just just get it right. It's not I mean, I'm sure it's difficult. You know, it's, it's a big operation. I, I'm not I don't want to say it's easy, but I also uh, feel like it's the stuff that you you got to make sure that you're that you're locked in on. And, and we know it can be done because studios do it all the time. So and, and Disney certainly um, has pulled off bigger operations than the release of a handful of collector's edition steelbooks. So I, I, I know they can get this kind of stuff right because we, we've seen them do it. Um, in much, much, much bigger instances. Um, but with that, uh, with that rant over, um, I think that's where we'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of MCU Fan Show. So thanks for you know tolerating this grumpy old man segment uh, as we were talking about. As I was uh, complaining about the lack of Dolby Vision and some of the pre-order stuff. Um, most importantly, these things that are on the way, and that's exciting. And that is exciting as a fan. Same thing with the Disney Plus series. In spite of the delays, they're still coming. They're still on the way. We will get to see them, just requires a, a little patience. And before we wrap up, just want to once again send out our love, our thoughts, our sympathies to all who knew and loved Jamie Christopher, whether it was his family, his friends, his co-workers, uh, the people he worked with on Marvel or on other productions, just anyone who is, uh, of course, experiencing the weight of his, uh, of his tragic passing uh, far too young earlier this week. And also sympathy to fans as well who can also experience and, and feel these losses in large part due to the emotional connection that so many of us feel to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that many of us may feel um, for those who we know work so incredibly hard to bring these stories to life. And none of this stuff happens by accident. We're, we're treated to these stories 
through the hard work of, of many, many, many people, uh, with Jamie Christopher certainly being one of them uh, throughout the storied history of, uh, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So um, we'll continue to keep uh, Jamie Christopher and, and all of his loved ones, uh, of course, in, in our thoughts uh, as we carry on. For MCU Fan Show and for Paul Herman, I'm Sean Gerber. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you soon.